Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear people, beloved of God. When you have blood drawn or get a shot, where do you look? Do you focus on something in the opposite direction? Do you squeeze your eyes shut until it's done? Or do you watch intently as the needle goes in and out? When you're driving along the highway and pass a well-concealed police car, where are you looking? Do you glance in the rearview mirror to see if the cop's lights go on and he pulls out to get you since you're pretty sure you are over the limit? Do you look around at the other cars to satisfy yourself that you weren't going any faster than anyone else? Do you make a quick check of the speedometer because you're not really sure how fast you were going? Or do you just keep your eyes on the road ahead, confident that you've done nothing wrong, and perhaps say a quick mental, great job on the hiding place to the officer you've just passed? Or what about when someone important is coming to visit you from out of town? Do you sit or stand at the window in anticipation, excited to catch that first glimpse when he or she arrives? Or are you more likely checking corners and closets for dirt and trash that you want cleaned up or put out of sight? Or is the doorbell's ring more often going to catch you with your eyes glued to the television or your phone? Where we focus our vision is something that we normally think of in strictly practical terms. We look where we're walking, or at what we're reading, or or at whatever happens to get our attention at any particular moment. But in reality, where we're looking has a lot more to do with our hearts than with our eyes. A lot more than we usually realize we focus on one thing and on and not on another out of fear or fascination from anxiety or anticipation with jealousy or joy or judgment and with faith or in pride dread or hostility our first reading today from numbers 21 gives us a vivid and and graphic example of the importance of focusing one's heart and attention in the right place. The people of Israel had turned their attention to all that was going wrong, to all that was not as they thought it should be. And then they had trouble. But looking up at the bronze snake looking up in confidence that God would keep His promise and deliver from the snake bite. That was what they needed. Not looking anywhere else in unbelief or pride or despair. Jesus in our Gospel today refers to that incident with the Israelites and encourages us to keep our eyes fixed on Him for eternal life and for deliverance from sin. We read again from John 3, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned, but the one who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the basis for the judgment. The light has come into the world, yet people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. In fact, everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light, or else his deeds would be exposed. But the one who does what is true comes toward the light, in order that his deeds may be seen as having been done in connection with God. So, where are you looking? Before you answer that, though, there is some all-important information that you need, because it literally makes all the difference in the world. This info has to do not with our looking, but with God's. Now, it is perhaps the most memorized Bible passage ever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's often called the gospel in a nutshell. But what lies behind it is how the Lord sees things and what happens when he does. We start with what he sees when he looks at the world. As much as we would like to think that he sees nothing but puppies and rainbows, heroes and saints and smiles and goodness all around, the reality is that he is presented with a corrupted creation populated with disobedient, violent, perverse rebels who are nowhere near living paragons of virtue. They are instead, as Paul wrote in our second lesson today, dead in trespasses. And that is what you and I were, and that is what all people are by nature. No one is accepted, no one is left out. Because we have all inherited the stain of sin from our first parents, and we all, every day and in every way, think, speak, and act contrary to the will of our God, will of God, our Creator. We, we serve success or shopping or bank accounts instead of the Lord. We cheat on our taxes and waste time at our jobs. We talk back to our parents and talk trash about other people. We lust and lie and lay about, and in so many ways, so many things, decide that what we want or think is best just outweighs the word and wisdom of the Lord of the universe. And because of that, the world that God sees and every one of us in it, should be a world he rejects as unworthy, and a world that he, he consigns without delay to condemnation. Death and hell are the right reward for sin and disobedience. It's what he said from the beginning and has never changed. 
that is not what happens. Instead, God looked at sinners and said, I love them even though they hate me. I will give them something other than what they deserve. God looked at the world and decided, I am going to save it by sending them my only begotten Son. This is nothing else but grace. The undeserved love of God for undeserving sinners. This is mercy. This is a Father's unlimited and unconditional love. And it is all centered and founded on the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Father did not send Him to earth just to be a good example or to teach us a better way to live. He sent Him instead to be lifted up, just as the snake in the wilderness was lifted up. On Good Friday, the Son of Man and Son of God was nailed to and raised up on a cross, condemned to die the most horrific death as the most guilty of sinners. Even though he was perfectly innocent of any offense and absolutely perfect in his obedience to his Father's will, he suffered and he died. God in place of man in order to satisfy the demands of God's justice, in order to pay the price and, and suffer the punishment of all the world's every sin, in order to wipe out every sinner's guilt and to defeat death, and, and in doing so to undo the power of the devil. And with His resurrection from the dead on Easter morning, His victory over every enemy, and the acceptance of His sacrifice was made clear. Jesus achieved everything His Father sent Him to do. In love, in mercy, in power, for good, for us, forever. When Jesus was on the cross, God did not see His Son, but instead saw our sins. Which means that now, when God looks at you, or me, or any sinner who has put his or her trust in Jesus and what He has done, God does not see our sins, but instead sees Christ's perfect righteousness. So it is clear now, or should be, that we want to be doing what the children of Israel did in order to be saved. Look to the One lifted up for our deliverance. Look to the cross and see your sins there. Repent of them. Give them up. Leave them there, nailed to the tree, never to come down again. And believe. Put your trust in God's only begotten Son and in Him alone. But... It's, it is not at all what God wants. It's, it's not what God sent His Son for. But, but if you take a pass on God's grace in Christ, 
What you'll get is His justice instead. Rely on your own self-righteousness and you will perish. Put your confidence in some idea that you are good enough for heaven because you're a nice guy or that you're simply so lovable. Of course God will save you and you will... Well, put your trust there and you will perish. Delude yourself into thinking that there will never be punishment for what you do and have done. And you deny the reality of what Christ suffered and why He died. And you will perish. But believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. And you have the very thing God sent Him in the world to win for you. You have eternal life. You are saved from death and hell. Your sins are forgiven, every last one of them. And you are given not only a place in paradise, but membership in God's family alongside Christ, your brother, and countless other believers who are now your brothers and sisters forever. So that is where we should be looking. That is where God wants everyone to be looking. But tragically, many look away or squeeze their eyes shut so they don't have to see. And Jesus tells us what the consequence of their not seeing Him is. The one who does not believe is condemned already. They perish though they do not need to. They are not saved though God loves them and has done everything necessary so they can be. Why? Because they do not like what they see. Jesus is the light of the world, but when people love the darkness, they hate the light. The way that roaches scatter the shadows when you flip the switch. There is no neutral ground or in-between state or third way here. Either you love the light or you hate it. Either your works are evil or they are godly. Either you perish or you have eternal life. And note that what keeps anyone out of heaven and sends them to hell is not any particular or any horrendous sin. What keeps them out of heaven is nothing but unbelief. The rejection of Jesus Christ, God's Son and all the world's Savior. And the accompanying determination to live one's life according to one's own will. And when one's will is already corrupted by sin, as everyone's is, then one's deeds are evil and one's practices are wicked. And as much as one might try to convince oneself and others that wrong is right and bad is good, the light, well, the light exposes everything for what it really is. And no one likes having to face up to that guilt and that filth within them. And the testimony of their conscience that they, that what they deserve for all that is God's punishment not reward. This helps explain why the witness of Christians is increasingly derided, diminished, opposed, mocked, and more in our society. 
a culture that is increasingly enamored of its evil deeds and wicked practices, prefers to pretend that all their choices are good choices. But the light of Christ not only exposes their choices as bad, but also exposes people themselves as sinners deserving of judgment. So it's actually pretty simple. Don't be that way. Don't look that way. Look to Christ and His cross and come to His light. And then let that light shine in and through your life and it will make a difference. Not just to you, but to everyone around you as you reflect that light. That's why Jesus says that the one who does what is true, the believer whose heart and life are aligned now with God's will, loving as He loves, forgiving as we have been forgiven, rejoicing to do what pleases Him, the one who does what is true comes toward the light in order that His deeds may be seen, not for your glory, but for God's be seen as having been done in connection with God. This, as Paul reminded us earlier, is part of God's purpose for us. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance so that we would walk in them. And these works, done in connection with God, then serve to draw others to the light of Christ and the Gospel, so that they too might see Jesus as their Savior and the cross as their salvation, so that they too might know the love and the grace of God which gave His only begotten Son to a world that did not deserve it. These These are the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And there is no greater gift, no greater possession, no greater blessing, nothing better to be looking at with all our hearts, with all our lives, with all our souls, with all our strength. So where are you looking now? And as you live your life and make your choices and do your deeds and work your works and and carry out your responsibilities and enjoy your privileges in in your various callings in this God-loved world, where will you be looking tomorrow and, and every day to follow? Come to the light and look to the cross. Look to the grace of God in Jesus Christ, His Son. Look to the One lifted up that everyone who believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.